The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sue Martin's joining us with Ag and Investment out of Clarion, Iowa. And we look at this market today, Sue. Obviously, the beans have taken a drop, but in the big picture of things, it wasn't that bad of a drop today. No, it really was not. Yesterday, we had a 29-cent range on Monday and from low to high. And today, you took at one time 10, 10 and a half cents, so about a third of it back. And then when we closed, we closed down about six and three quarters to six and a half. So actually not a bad turnaround Tuesday. That was a huge day yesterday. So and we haven't seen many of those days. But And then the weather's changing and with a more uh, ability to possibly get in the fields. Granted, we're running about 15 to 20 degrees cooler than normal. So it takes a little longer to dry the ground out. But farmers, you know, will be able to push into corn uh, a little bit quicker. But the soybeans, it's taken a little longer for beans to drop down in in percent um, percentage of uh, moisture. But on the same token, we also note that there seems to be a fair amount of reports about bean pods uh, bursting and beans falling to the ground. You know, I saw a lot of pictures on social media of of that just thing. That not only the beans on the ground, but the beans sprouting. So a lot of concerns yeah. for these growers, and they got to get in there to the field, but it's muddy, so they got to take caution and care at the same time trying to harvest this crop. Oh, they do. In fact, I've had one farmer tell me I'm not going into the corn because he said, I'm, I'm fearing I'll have a breakdown, and it'll be about the time I should be doing beans. So he's waiting for the beans to get ready so he can move on into beans, and then he'll go to corn. But, you know, the yields are all over the place very variable even in illinois and once we get a good foothold we really need to hear what the a a better uh idea of what yields are like in iowa minnesota nebraska you know all the way down into missouri and kansas and for now uh bean yields look pretty good in illinois record corn yields in ohio but the corn in Illinois, while still pretty good, is really variable, and I think we're going to be real surprised when we get into Iowa and into the western corn belt and get more yields coming out. I think we're going to have a lot of disappointment. Were you surprised by yesterday's crop progress report that had less than 40% harvested in both beans and corn? No, um, mainly because being in the western corn belt myself, um, there's just nothing moving. Um, over the weekend, we drove up towards northwest Iowa, um, 120 miles, turned around and came back a different direction or a different route, 120 miles. Then we drove on down towards Ames, Highway 30, which is another 60 miles. And there there wasn't, I think I've seen two bean fields out, and that was it. Uh, corn, some corn out, but really not a lot. It was just in that whole area. People are just getting frustrated, and for Iowa, this is the latest harvest pace on record. So do you think once these guys get in the fields and those numbers start coming in for the soybeans, are we going to start to see more of a a market reaction to what's happening out in the country? Well, I think we have a couple things going here in the bean market. First off, uh, Brazil's planting pace, especially in Monte Grosso, is way ahead of normal, and Paranal as well. 
uh, Paraguay's also got a good pace of planting. So early in means more beans coming out earlier as well. And then they'll be able to take care of China a little quicker. Um, but right now, for example, on Monday, we had two ships leave loaded with soybeans heading to China. And we still have over a million metric tons on the books that are targeted to go to China. So um, I think China's a little concerned with what's been going on here. Uh, they need the soybeans, although I have to admit there's more outbreaks of African swine fever. It hasn't uh, bothered the uh, soy meal prices yet over there. They're still quite high. But on the same token, um, it's, I think they have a big problem over there in African swine fever. So, you know, actions speak louder than words when it comes to China. And um, we'll see what happens if they start to uh, uh, drop their uh, meal prices because of concern of not as many mouths to feed. In the meantime, we look at our situation here, and we, you know, we've had Argentina aggressively buying this year more beans than normal by quite a bit and you've got brazil starting to buy beans and canada well they're all buying beans to send over to china <laughs> and they're not having them as easy either so they're a little concerned because they've made deals and now they've got to be able to get them done so i think that when we look at what's going on once farmers can get in um you know we have big equipment it isn't going to take them long, and they're not going to stop until they can actually get going. And once they're in there, they're going to keep going until they are pretty much seeing the light of the end of the tunnel. So um, unless the weather changes on them. But the forecast for the next 10 days looks good and drier, a uh, little chilly, but to turn nicer. Maybe we'll still see that in summer yet before it's all done. So I'm curious, those two cargoes of soybeans, I mean, that's kind of a, an exciting thing to be hearing, uh, leaving the United States and headed to China. Is that the reason why we saw yesterday's higher prices? Was just that initial reaction? Um, I think it was part of it. I think it was a combination of a lot of things. One, the snow in the whole western corn belt. You know, mm -hmm. you had a northeast corner of South Dakota with 10 inches. Um, heavy wet snow laying beans over. Uh, snow through pretty much most of Iowa. You know, Nebraska having it. Uh, Kansas. So I think it was uh, the weather. And then on top of that, you had a better crush, NOPA crush, than what we had expected for the month of September. So that was good news. And then, of course, having uh, these two cargoes leave. And I know that there was you know, traders expecting as much as 53% of the uh, harvest done on beans. And I thought, those guys are smoking dope. Brown folks, we've got more of this crazy market trade for today after this on the Fontenelle Final Bell. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sue Martin's joining with Ag and Investment out of Clarion, Iowa. We talked about the soybeans in the first half and the effect that they've been having all over on the trade. For this corn market, they're kind of feeling the brunt, shall we say, of the soybean pressure. Is that something that kind of set the tone, Sue, for the rest of the week? Well, I think that uh, the corn market, you know, the one thing corn's got going is a lot of times it's easier to get in and get the corn you can even have snow on the ground, and if you don't have snow on the on the husks and on the ears, you're able to go in and get the corn. Um, where beans, you can't do that. If it's snow on the ground or it's wet, 
it just doesn't work. They just don't pop out of the pods easy. They don't, um, you, you know, they just carry, they don't store well, that type of thing. So corn, therefore, has a little more optimistic look to it, albeit uh, we believe that, you know, when you look back in history, there's only been three times that we've seen corn uh, yield drop from when you've increased from August to September and then you decrease in October in the yield, that's only happened three other times. And all three of those times, we saw the yield drop again in the November report and again in the final. And I think that's something that I think traders are now starting to realize that we probably are going to lose some corn yield. And, you know, you look at what's happening and we don't really have a good clue yet in the Western Corn Book because not enough has been able to get out. And so when we look at this and we realize global supplies are tightening further and, um, you know, the tightest stocks to usage ratio possibly since 1973-74. And you've got CNGOIC, the uh, Chinese uh, National Grain and Oil Seeds Information Center, coming out with a less production estimate of 216.5, I think it is, or 216.1 million metric tons, and the USDA standing at 225, well, you're talking, um, you know, a fair amount of difference there, and, um, boy, we can't afford to be losing more as we go down the road, because we're having issues with being so tight supplied, and the demand is still moving up not going down we have price is not high enough to slow the demand jumping to the wheat quick i know that uh the planting here has had uh, better conditions than what they've had in, in europe even with the, all the rain and the snow that we've dealt with is there some optimism are you hearing some talk could we possibly be seeing more winter wheat acres this coming year well i think yes we're looking at the potential of more winter wheat acres uh in uh, the u.s the problem is, if we were to catch one more really good storm, and some of these guys tell me that they aren't able to go, that they might in Kansas be able to start back in planting here maybe Saturday or Sunday, that they're just so wet and the temperatures being so cool, they're not drying out. So if they were to catch one more good storm, you'd probably see some uh, wheat acres lost. And, of course, that's uh, another thing. You could look at the soft red. They're not getting the beans out fast enough, so consequently, what's happening there? They aren't, they're running late getting the wheat planted there. So I think you look at, uh, and then you look at Canada, uh, Saskatchewan and Alberta, and a lot of snow there, and that's holding them back from getting the wheat out. And then you look in North Dakota and what have you, and it's just not been, bottom line, it just hasn't been an easy year for hardly anyone. We've seen as we switch over to the livestock side some moderate losses, at least on the nearbys, for the live cattle. Are we seeing this activity that's going to be just limited in the nearbys in this week ahead? Well, I think that, uh, of course, the fats, you know, October fats were down the hardest today. And, of course, we're looking at another week, and then we're going to be winding that contract down. But in the meantime, uh, you know, we look at uh, October feeder cattle, and, you know, they're fairly low in price, 154.02. November's are 154.22. And then all of a sudden you take a drop for January of almost, five, well, $4 and maybe 27 cents difference. But when you look at this market in cattle, 
I, I don't trust cattle here. Um, I think that we can get a temporary reprieve. Uh, the cutout looks to me like it's bottomed and demand looks to be pretty good. And yet, I'm not so sure that packers have to chase for cattle. And if we see this market bouncing, trying to bounce up, but it's killing time. Yesterday was pretty impressive, no doubt about it. Open interest fell about 3,000 contracts. But when I look at my indicators, they've been negative here for, oh golly, I want to say since almost the middle of September, maybe just a hair after that. And we've seen both fats and feeders decline. More so feeders than fats. What is the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sue? Well, my number is 1-800-527-0051. And you all have a great Monday. I guess it's Tuesday. Have a great Tuesday. Thanks so much. Sue Martin has been joining us today on the Fontenelle Final Bell. Of course, this will be podcast coming up after 3 o'clock this afternoon. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.